John Adams. Have yeah. you seen the musical Hamilton? Yeah. <laughs> no, I haven't. Have you seen heard it. this a few yeah, times? No, not quite. But go on, go for it. Because he was a man of very small stature. Yeah, yeah, and, he was. Uh, yeah. You're like the opposite. You're. Yeah. He also went mad. Yes. Yeah. 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 Um, but it's lovely to have you here, John. And Thank you, um, you come from Emmanuel, That's and right. you've been there how long? Two years. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Tell us a little bit about your life. You, you're married? Yeah, uh, so I'm, I'm married. Um, so for those of you who don't know, Emmanuel uh, Church, South Croydon, it's just sort of up the road a little ways there, about 10 minutes. Uh, it's a Church of England church. I'm the vicar there. Um, I moved to take that job a couple of years back, and I'm married to Emily. She's a doctor as well. Uh, and uh, we have four kids. Uh, they are 11, 10, 8, and 4. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, so life is life is busy, um, but fun. And um, yeah, I was originally from uh, East Anglia. I, I came via Oxford, lived a bit in Rains Park, where I, I was uh, at a ministry job there, and then came to yeah, to the pinnacle, Croydon. Yeah. And you came from Emmanuel, was it Wimbledon? And then Emmanuel Wimbledon, yeah, Emmanuel? Yeah, yeah. Do you just work for churches Absolutely, Emmanuel, absolutely. It just, it just makes it much easier to choose where you go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's a bit hard in Baptist circles because they're named after roads. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I did meet a lady from Purley, I was saying to you just for the service, uh, but she was from Purley, Reading. Yeah. Um, yeah. So tell us a bit about Emmanuel, and I like to talk about the lessons and the... Less, the blessings and the lessons of ministry, what would you say is a real joy at the moment um, and is bringing you much joy, Emmanuel? And what is maybe a challenge yeah. uh, which we would, we would love to just pray for you? Yeah, thank you. Well, can I just say it's lovely to be here with you guys. One of the joys has been getting to know people around this area, and there's a few people here I, I already recognize, and just, just knowing there are other churches around doing the same ministry that we're doing is has been lovely, and um, Judy's somewhere hovering at the back, and she's one of the lovely things about uh, Croydon. She gets lots of ministers together and organizes us, and, you know, that's, that's really, really appreciated. Um, well, I mean, this is such a good question, and when, you, when you're sort of leading a ministry, you're supposed to have a good answer to the, those kind of questions, aren't you? But one of the challenging things I, I think I find is that, you know, I look out at our church congregation, perhaps you guys have the same thing, and the reality is that Basically, everyone's life is going in different directions, and some, for some people, life is going really, really well, and they're really going on with the Lord, and they're growing in faith, and then for other people, they're really struggling. Either circumstances are really difficult, or actually, they're really struggling with their faith, perhaps they've been walking away from the Lord, and uh, that's really difficult. And all of that's happening or, um, in our church family, as I'm sure it is in your church family. We, we have really appreciated the opportunity that COVID has given us to do a little bit of a reset, um, and although that's a bit challenging, you know, this chance to basically start again and think again, I think, has perhaps sharpened. We've been able to change things a bit more radically than perhaps we would otherwise do. Um, so that's been great. Uh, the challenges, well, I'm going to be honest with you. Right now, in the Church of England, you may have watched in the news, the Church of England is, um, is busy, uh, and forgive the, the phrase, eating itself alive about human sexuality. It's, it's a really, really bitter and uh, difficult a moment in the church's history, and we're trying to di hold together people with differing convictions who actually hold fundamentally differing ideas about not just human sexuality, but life and church in general. 
And we're sort of, as a Church of England church with a variety of different perspectives, we're sort of stuck in the middle of that. And that's painful and difficult for everyone. Um, so, yeah, it's quite a challenging moment, I think. Yeah. So that's what's going on. Yeah. Oh, thanks. That's great. And I'm sure you'll be around for a while at the end if yeah. anybody wants to find out more about John and what's going on at Emmanuel. Let me just mm. pray for you and all the, your ministry and, and for what you're going to bring this evening. Mm. So, Lord, we just thank you for John. We thank you uh, for this opportunity just to get to know him a bit more. Uh, we thank you for what you're doing in his life. Um, we pray a blessing upon it, Lord. Uh, we thank you there's been much in what has only been a couple years at Emmanuel and with the challenge of meeting people for the first time in lockdown and all of that, Lord, thank you that um, there's been much encouragement that you're drawing people together that are very different um, and where there are challenges to their life, they're, they're coming together and they're, uh, they're living uh, as a family. So we thank you, Lord. Thank you that there's been able to be a reset to uh, a church which, you know, like our own, there's so much established and it can easily just uh, become about continuing as things were. So we thank you for that. We pray for more, Lord. We pray for uh, that you would, uh, that they would see many more people come to you, uh, become a part of the church, many more baptisms in 2023, and that there just to be an energy because of the new life of which you uh, bring uh, to birth because of your spirit, Lord. So just pray, Holy Spirit, anoint all the, 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 the large staff team there and uh, other volunteers, Lord, who, who really uh, want to bless you. And we, we pray for this challenge on the issue of sexuality and uh, where there are debates, where there are confusion, Lord. We pray that your, you would reign supreme and that your word would bring a helpful corrective to where there are lies, to where the truth has been twisted. Uh, we pray, Lord, that John and others would stand with courage and conviction of what your word says. And we thank you for the wonderful opportunity as Christians where we can speak the truth with love, and uh, we thank you that when the truth is preached and when it is lived, it will set people free. And so we just pray that he will know that and uh, give him and his leadership team peace, Lord, as they seem, uh, as they um, aim to be compassionate and caring and yet also courageous about um, the truth that you've given them. So just pray uh, for John now as he preaches your word that uh, whatever message you have given him that he would feel free to proclaim it and that we would receive it, that we would really just lap it all up and be transformed as a result. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you. Well, all right. take to the Brilliant. pulpit and Thank we look you. forward to hearing from you. Great. So um, do you guys do, a, do you read here or do I get to read? What's the, what's the deal? Do, do you, does someone read here or do I read? I'm very happy to... Two verses. I thought you might be able to handle okay, it yourself. Okay, uh, th thank you. I, I really <laughs> respect the level of um, uh, um, kind of um, honor that you're according me there. So if you have a Bible, if you like to dial it up on a phone, it, um, uh, that's, uh, that's great. Um, Tim's right, it is just two verses, but there are some bits around and about here which are, which are helpful as well. And so it's worth just seeing it um, in context if you can. I'm going to be looking at Romans 12, and I'm just going to be reading those two verses 
uh, Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. Um, I'm going to read that, uh, then I'll pray, and let's start then after that. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are alive, that you work in our hearts, and that you speak today. Lord, help us to hear you speak, to speak to our minds, to transform our hearts, and to change our whole lives. Lord, we thank you that you've given us one another. And so we pray that as we consider your word right now, you would change not only us individually, but us all together as a community of believers trying to help one another follow in the way of Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. I wonder whether you uh, have ever been in one of those discussions. It may have been some years uh, ago when um, someone asked the question, what, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to be when you grow up? Um, perhaps it's a question you've asked your kids, or uh, perhaps you're a teacher and you sort of preside over those kind of questions. Now, I want you to imagine uh, for a moment, it's, um, it's, it's form three, uh, you know, everyone's sort of knee-high to a grasshopper, they're around the tables, uh, Mrs. Miggins is in charge, and she says, now children, what do you want to be when you grow up? And um, Henry says, I'd like to be a pilot. And uh, Samira says, uh, I'd like to be a doctor. Erica says, I'd like to be a ballerina. And Noah says, I'd like to be a sacrifice. Well, okay, it doesn't usually happen that way, but it does. But just, just imagine for a moment, what would Mrs. Miggins say at that point in the discussion? No, no, um, thank you. You don't seem to. We were thinking of sort of, you know, other jobs and you know, things that you want to do with your life in, in the future. No, says Noah, I want to be a sacrifice. Well, no, you're entitled to your own opinion, but that just, I mean, that just doesn't sound very comfortable. We're thinking of kind of aspirational, kind of, you know, really positive things for your future. Um, Samira says, Noah, that sounds very hard. Are you sure that's necessary? Whatever age and stage we are, I guess it's not the most obvious of ambitions, is it? I want to be a sacrifice. In fact, kind of even the words just sound a little bit sort of, well, really? I mean, I want to be a sacrifice, said no one's bucket list ever, right? But that is the ambition that the Apostle Paul gives the believers here at the beginning of Romans 12. And as you conclude this series that you've been going through for some time, I would love you to be persuaded this evening that even though it sounds strange, um, even a little awkward and uncomfortable, that is a good and wonderful ambition for every Christian. And on top of that, that there is a way of living that out, which we're going to be thinking of today. 
that involves change, deep transformation, a life that doesn't look anything like the world around us. And that in that, we would find a life-enhancing, really compelling, life-to-the-fullness kind of life, just the sort of thing that the Lord wants for us all the way till we have our last day on this earth. Be a sacrifice. Okay, so this is what we're going to do. We're going to spend a little bit of time just um, thinking about the, the, the exact interpretation of this, this text, what do the words mean, and then we'll step back and just think about how this might work on a personal level, um, on, a, on a corporate level, in, a, in, a, in, the, in the life of a church like this, and then also on the, on the public level uh, in our world. So if you've got the passage there, you'll, you'll be helped just going through this. Paul starts, he says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Everything that I'm going to say this evening is all to be understood in view of God's mercy. And I don't want to miss the opportunity to say that to you. If you're here this evening, and to be honest, you don't really know what that means, God's mercy. If we're going to be in view of something, whatever it is, that seems vague or even completely unknown to you. That's where you want to start. So you can almost ignore everything I'm about to say. And just focus on that for this evening, if that's you. God's mercy. God has shown every single person mercy by giving himself to die on the cross in our place. He has offered us forgiveness. We're unworthy sinners. We, we do not follow his commands. We reject him day by day. We don't deserve to be called his children, but he has offered us mercy in Christ and we need to grab hold of that mercy by trusting in him and giving our life to him. That is God's mercy. Everything I'm going to say is kind of downstream of that. If you've got questions about that, if that doesn't ring true to you, if, you've got, if you're wondering, do I, am I, do I even have that, that mercy? I would love to speak to you afterwards or catch one of the team. That's the most important thing. But everything I'm going to say now is in view of God's mercy. If you know that for yourself, if you've received the mercy of God in Christ. You've got a challenge and a question. What now? How do I live? What kind of a life am I going to live? And that's what Paul is about to explain. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Okay, so the idea is everything here is a response to what God has already done. And he says, you want to be a living sacrifice. And a sacrifice is is an Old Testament kind of uh, imagery here, something that might go on the altar, something that is pleasing to God. God's ambition for you is that you would have a life that is pleasing to him. Now, question, what does that look like? What would it look like to have a life that is exactly as God wants it? Well, let's keep going. He says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. The word pleasing comes again right at the end. What does it look like to live this life that's pleasing to him? Well, the first thing is you've got to get your mind straight. You have got to have your mind changed because that's what's going to enable you to know 
what life, the right kind of life, the kind of life that pleases God, the kind of sacrifice of life that he accepts needs to look like. Okay, so let's go through the detail. He says in verse 2, first of all, do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed. Other translations put it uh, in helpful ways, I think, that just elucidate this. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Don't let yourselves be squeezed into the shape dictated by the present age. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its mold. Before we go on to the positives of this passage, we start with this negative. Here's what you're not supposed to do. There is something for all of us to break out of. Um, I don't know whether you're familiar with that uh, sort of slightly silly story of, um, of, of the fish and their uncle. Um, Barbara and Billy the fish, they're in the water, you know, they're sort of chatting with one another and, they're, and they're, um, their uncle Bert comes along and says, um, hello, Barbara and Billy, um, water's warm today, isn't it? And swims off. And Barbara and Billy look at each other and go, water? What's water? This is an illustration of the fact that when you're in it, you don't even realize it's there. And it's the same about our culture. We live in our culture. And if I asked you, can you describe our culture? Many people would say, what are you, what are you even talking about? It's just, it's just life. Well, yeah, it is, but actually, it's a pattern. All of us live in this world, and we are, to a greater or lesser extent, squeezed into the pattern of the world in which we live. Now, some of that just doesn't really matter at all, right? The shoes that you're wearing, they are a product of the fact that you happen to be here in 2023 and not, I don't know, 1066. I think we can, we can ride with whatever shoes you've got now. In fact, we're probably pretty grateful we're not in 1066 on that one, right? But there are other things in our culture that fundamentally change our attitudes and our lives in really, really significant ways. And what the scriptures say is, do not conform to the pattern of this world. I've got a picture for you. Um, this is a scrap heap. Um, I've never seen one of these uh, for real, uh, but you get the principle here, right? So what's happened is we've got all these cars, okay? They've got to the end of their life, and now what has to happen is they've got to be piled on the scrap heap, but you can't stack them next to each other because they don't tessellate properly because they all look different, right? So what you do is you take each car, and you stick it in your machine, and you crush it down into a box, and each box is the same, and now you can stack them on top of each other. That's what it's like living in our world. If you do nothing, that's what happens. You, get, you come into the machine, and you get crunched, so you sit nicely alongside everything else, so that you tessellate up, so you block up with everything else. Nice, you know, square like everyone else. If you and I do nothing as Christians. If we don't take the wheel of our lives, that's what we end up, just another block. And what Paul is saying to us, we need to not conform to the pattern of this world. So that means Christians need to be people of resistance. People of resistance. For example the long working hours that our culture enables and promotes for some people. Not for all of us, perhaps for you specifically, that's something you've got to resist. And you feel, I've got no options. It's the only thing I can do. I have to work 
14 hours a day, every single day, because everyone else is doing it, and what can I do? Do not conform to the pattern of this world. You're going to blow up anyway if you do that. But, but there are other problems, right? Can't, you, need to, you need to squeeze out of it. Um, the endorsement of leisure and escapism as a right. I've got a right to this time off. I've got a right to binge eight hours in front of some Netflix right now because all my mates are doing it. Of course I can. We need to get out of that. You know, that, that, that's not the way that the Lord has kind of shaped us. Or that's not the pattern that he wants for us. Um, we've got massive pressures, haven't we, to affirm the moral values of our culture. You know, at your workplace, you really have to wear the laces or do whatever it is that you, know, you have to do because otherwise you're not really a nice human being. And we need to resist that. Um, there is uh, ample scope for enjoying our human reality in isolation from other people. It's another thing our culture and you know, the pandemic has really made it a lot easier. You can basically just retreat into your, apart from you guys who are teachers, sorry about this, uh, you can retreat into behind your little desk and just do your little work here. And you don't have to see other people. You don't have to see any of the challenge of, of suffering, of diversity, of all that other stuff that's going out there. You can, in certain circumstances, isolate yourself from loads of people. And many people say, that's a real win. You've got your nice, tidy little world, you know, all behind your Zoom screen. But that's not good. It's, that's not how we're made to live. We're made to live present to this whole world. And we could go on and on and on, couldn't we? There is a challenge for us to resist. We need people who, who resist. Um, now, let me just say one more thing on this. There is something a bit paradoxical here, and let's just see if I can spell it out. So the weird thing is that we live in a world in which non-conformity, as in being different, is actually quite fashionable in certain ways. So here is a, um, can I have the Mar Marmaduke up here? Um, thank you. Okay. So has anyone seen this book here? You've got to be in a particular stage of life. Okay, I'll give you a quick pricey. Okay, basically, Marmaduke is a dragon, right? But he's not like all the other dragons. And initially, that's you know, in the story, that's supposed to be really sad. He doesn't want to fly. All the other dragons fly. And uh, the reason he doesn't want to fly is he doesn't want to open his, open his wings because he's got all these stars on them. And then, of course, what happens at the end is he opens his stars and he's completely different from everyone. But it's glorious that he's different. And, you know, we're all really, really happy. And the girl, is, she's actually not a damsel in distress. She's absolutely fine. She really is in no distress whatsoever. She says, that Marmaduke, don't help me in my distress. I'm, I'm cool. But just, you can be my friend. It's, it's one of those kind of celebrations of, of diversity. Now, why am, I, why am I talking about this? In our culture, in some ways... To be like everyone else is to have your own little bit of difference, your own little bit of distinctiveness. That's actually normal. And sometimes the thing that's counterculture is, do you know what? I am going to believe this stuff that what a whole load of people for 2,000 years have believed. Exactly the same stuff. And people are like, that is just so boring and inauthentic and just, you know, whatever. So in our culture, part of being different is... Sticking with the old. There's a thought. Right, I must keep going. So, do not conform to the pattern of this world. He goes on, though, to say, but be transformed. If you're a Christian, you are on a lifelong change project. Not just a makeover, you know, not just a nice little sort of, you know, redo of the face. It is a complete inner change uh, of thought, of our will, our desires, by the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. 
It is a thrilling but also terrifying concept. That's what it means to be a Christian. We want to be transformed. Now, how do we get transformed? Well, Paul says, by the renewing of your mind. Um, he says elsewhere, it's the same kind of renewal language. It's really powerful. He says, you, we need to be made new in our thoughts and attitudes, or we need, to ha- we need to have a new self, or we need to be renewed by the Holy Spirit. Um, there is this idea that when God comes into our lives, he wants to make us new. That is big, deep change. And it's one-off in a sense. It starts when we start the Christian life, but it's ongoing all the way through our Christian lives. We're constantly looking to be made new. Now, what's going to happen when we are made new? He says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, perfect, and pleasing will. So when, when your mind gets renewed, then you begin to be able to know what the right, what good living looks like. When I was at school, um, I liked doing the sport of rowing, and uh, I enjoyed that a great deal. And our coaches, when they used to try and teach us, what they would do is show us um, videos of good crews doing the rowing. Uh, and um, it was always the same one. It was always the Dutch Olympic 8 of 1996 who won Atlanta. And we'd all sit there and watch these guys. They're going along a canal somewhere in Holland. And we'd all just have to sit there and watch them. You, you get the idea, right? If you want to teach a bunch of people how to row, look at it being done properly and say, this is good. This, this is what you're, what you're about. Well, this is the same that we as Christians, that's the kind of thing we need to be on the board, happening in our minds. Our minds need to be seeing what does the good life look like and pointing each other. And perhaps you can do this. This is something you do as a community celebrating those things. This is the good life. This is the new transformed life. This one over here, this is what you want to impersonate. This is what you want to copy. Um, so that's what it means. And, and, and getting this right, you've got to know what kind of life you want to be living, and then you've got to want to live that life. You can't go forward without both of those in the Christian life. There's no good knowing exactly what you have to do, but just you don't want to do it. And with a great love of enthusiasm but no direction, that's not so great either. What you need is that deep renewal of both. Okay, so I said um, I was just going to think about this briefly, practically now, on three levels. First of all, uh, on a personal level, I've got one more slide here, um, just to, so you can remember these three different areas, personal uh, renewal. So how we, can we be renewed in our minds personally? Uh, well... It means being renewed in breadth and in depth. So it means breadth. It means thinking through our Christian life and how it connects with all the different elements of our world. Right now, you know, the hot button issue is what is the human body? What is a man? What is a woman? How can we better care for those who experience gender dysphoria, that sense of disconnection between uh, the the body as it's been given and their sense of of gender? Um, These are things that Christians, if we're we're going to be helpful to one, we've got to think about it. So we need renewed minds, people who are actually going to really, really engage with this, not just think, oh, that's a bit scary and a bit weird, I don't know, put my head down. We need Christians who are going to think, think hard about this stuff and help people uh, uh, themselves, not least, to work it through. Um, 
if you want to read uh, on, on this stuff, and by the way, if you're a reader, that's a great way of renewing your mind. There's a great book called uh, A Better Story by Glenn Harrison, which really tries to engage with some of this, this thinking about sexuality and gender identity. Now, look, not everyone is a reader. It's absolutely fine if you're not a great reader. Perhaps you can go on YouTube, you know, listen to some videos, really get thinking. So that's the broad thing. But then there's also the deep thing. Renewing our minds means really, really focusing deep down on our hearts and our motivations. You know, there's so much of us as Christians, we want to make Christianity just a tick box thing. And actually, we want to go deep and really get our motivation in the right place. All right, so that's personal. But the thing is, you can't do renewal on your own. You need other believers. And it's just lovely to see you guys here this evening, enjoying one another's company, encouraging one another in faith, giving testimony to one another about what the Lord is is doing in your lives, because this is what's required. We need corporate mind renewal. We need a community of believers who are devoted to learning together. People who... I want to come together with you, and I want to sit down with you. We're going to open the scriptures between us, and we're going to look. How are we going to go forward in this world in which we live? Let's let's look at it together. This is serious. We've got to work out what this transformed life means together. And and let me say, in order to do that, sorry, it takes an enormous amount of courage to go into church, full stop. And by the way, if, if that's you this morning, you've just managed, this evening, you've just managed to get through the door. It's wonderful that you're here. But it takes a whole load extra courage to then sit together with other people and say, by the way, shall we start thinking together about how we're going to live our lives and talk to one another about the things that are difficult and challenging, the questions that we have, and open ourselves up to one another. Um, that is thrilling, though. That's the thing that really shapes it. If you, you've got your life groups here. You know, if you're not part of one of those, fantastic thing to be part of. Um, but do make the most of those. So that's corporate mind renewal. And finally, public mind renewal. Um, When Christians are deeply transformed, the thing that happens is not just that their life gets changed. It's not just that communities like this get changed, but actually culture gets changed. I want to just give you one little example of that that I've always found really um, inspirational. This is Shaftesbury, uh, Lord Shaftesbury. um, I think, yeah, there he is. Uh, there's a book by Richard Turnbull, which I really recommend to you. Wonderful story. He was a, a social reformer, an activist and politician, and he was a Christian. And really, through his faith, our country fundamentally changed because he thought about what it was going to look like to live differently as a Christian. And then he brought that to bear on the world around him. So he outlawed the use of young boys as chimney sweeps. He outlawed the employment of women and children in underground mines. He introduced the Ten Hours Act, uh, which was restricting uh, the law, the working demands on children. Um, And this is a lovely quote by Spurgeon at um, Shaftesbury's funeral. He said, We shall not know for many a year how much we miss in missing him, how great an anchor he was to this drifting generation, and how great a stimulus he was to every movement for the benefit of the poor. Both man and beast may unite in mourning him. He was the friend of every living thing. He lived for the oppressed. He lived for London. He lived for the nation. He lived still more for God. Now, we're not all going to be a Lord Shaftesbury, and that's okay. 
But what his life does illustrate is that transformed people transform culture and society. So what about your, your world? Your world may not be the Houses of Parliament, that's okay. But it's your workplace or your family or your circle of friends that you could transform because you yourself have been changed by Christ. What would it look like, I don't know, in your community, your street, to bring that different way of life, to have it bubbling over and changing the people around you? So I hope that gives us a bit of a vision for how uh, we can have public mind renewal as well. So let's just, um, we're going to go back up to the top here, um, and uh, let me just wrap this up. I'd love to just spend a little bit of time. Tim, is it all right? We've got, we got a few minutes? Yeah. Um, I would love us just to spend a little bit of time talking to one another about this. Um, I'm going to leave this, uh, let's have the, the three types of renewal uh, theory if we can. Thank you. Um, I'm going to leave that slide up there. Uh, and in a moment, I'd love you to just have a think. You know, you, you can make the question as wide as you like, what struck me from that? But perhaps specifically, what area of life do you really feel that you need to kind of get out of the, the squeeze of your culture and be transformed in? And what do you want to do about that? But uh, before we do that, let's just recap. So we began with this challenge that the Lord wants us to be a sacrifice. Uh, he wants us to live a life that is pleasing to him because we have first received his wonderful mercy. What does that look like? A sacrifice that's pleasing to God is a change project, a life in which we renew our minds and we learn what life looks like to be pleasing and good in accordance with God's will. All right, let's take a little moment there. You might want to just turn gently to the people next to you. It's absolutely fine. If you're not comfortable doing this, you can just listen to the conversation, have a little bit of a think. That's absolutely fine. But why don't you just turn to the people where you are, and you might want to say, well, here's something that struck me from that talk. If you want to be a bit more concrete and specific, what do you think are the kind of pressures in this world, the patterns of the world that you feel kind of squeezed into? And how, how do you feel the Lord might be calling you to be changed and having your mind renewed. Uh, let's give a couple of minutes and we'll sort of see how things are going and yeah, once they dry up we'll, we'll wrap up. Okay. <laughs>